lift off and the clock has started. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. And I know all of you listening right now, you could be giving your 20 minutes to other people, but instead you chose to give it to me. That warms my heart. Thank you very much for doing that. Also, I want to thank uh, this episode's announcer, Haley. Great job, Haley. Thank you very much for doing that for me. Today's episode is jam-packed with uh, historical information. There's some observations and there's a very special tribute at the end, so let's get going. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, just based on the title of the show, that the subject today is Disneyland. Now, Disneyland is still closed. It's been closed since March 14th due to the uh, pandemic that's wrapping itself around the world. Nobody knows what the parks are going to look like after reopening and social distancing and how that's all going to work. So we're going to set this discussion sometime back in 2019. I don't care. Pick a date, your birthday, anniversary, the last time you were there, whatever. We're just going to talk about Disneyland as it was before it closed down. Let's start by getting the 800-pound gorilla out of the way. Disneyland is expensive. You know it. I know it. But what I could do right now is take kind of a historical look at the prices and then apply some math, and you may find the result kind of interesting. And then again, you may not. Your choice. When Disneyland first opened in 1955, the park admission cost $1, and the attractions cost somewhere between $0.10 and $0.35. You'd have to pay money at each ride you wanted to go on. Now, there were 35 attractions at opening in 1955, And if we apply some basic math here, that brought the average price per attraction to around 23 cents. Okay? Guests could buy an attraction ticket book for $2.50, but what happened very quickly is they found out there were only eight tickets in the book, and they only offered one or two tickets per area of the park. So they were not really thrilled with that. Ironically, Disney kept those ticket bookets all the way up until 1982, That's when they dropped the idea for individual ride tickets and they started a single admission price with unlimited access to all the attractions. And we now have that one ticket that gets us into the park and you can ride all the attractions you like given the 24 hours in a day. But let's jump back to 1955. And now let's talk about inflation. Now I've done some math. I hate math, but I've done it for you. And so all you have to do is just understand what I'm saying. If you don't understand what I'm saying, I apologize. Write me a note and I'll try and explain it better. Now, according to the U.S. Inflation Calculator, I did not even know there was such such a thing as the U.S. Inflation Calculator, but there is if you want to use it. The Disneyland Basic Park Admission would now cost about $10 in 2020. The average price per attraction would be $2.19 per ride in today's dollars. In that booklet of eight booklet of eight attractions, that would only cost like $24 again. Who cares about that? So now let's pretend Disneyland did not change anything about their pricing. Forget about the inclusion of more intense rides. Forget about the overall increase of park quality. Forget about the increase of California taxes. And forget about the increased demand. Thank you, Star Wars Land. I can never get onto anything there. Star Wars line. Have you tried to get in there recently? I, I got on to the one ride that initially opened, but that new one, uh-uh, 
Can't do it. Been there. You have to go there like at two in the morning, camp out and play a lottery to ride on that ride. So if you've been able to do it, congratulations to you. And I hate you. Now, let's assume Disney merely corrected for inflation and kept its price per attraction average, which is, again, $2.19. Disneyland Resort currently has 90 attractions, and that's divided across two parks. And there's going to be more on the way when Avengers Campus opens up later on this year, or the way things are going, maybe next year. And don't you feel sorry for Bugs Life? Poor Flix Fun Fair. I love Flix Fun Fair. Except for that uh, that Heimlich Caterpillar ride. The most, you know, Alice in Wonderland used to be an embarrassing ride. When you come out of the building, you're sitting there kind of weaving back. No, that Heimlich Caterpillar thing going about half a mile an hour, if that fast, going past a giant watermelon with crunching noises, and you can't do anything. You can't, you try and hide your face because you're afraid. You don't want to make any eye contact with people looking at you going, wow, those people really look stupid on that ride. Anyway, Bugs Land. Flicks Funfair, they're all dust now. Nothing there because they're building the new Avengers campus. And personally, I don't much care for the Avengers. So that part of the park's dead to me. Now, using the price per attraction average of $2.19 and now a $10 mission fee for both Disney Parks and California Adventure, it would cost an adult $217 to have the same unlimited access offered by the park hopper ticket, $217. The calculations from 1955 and the inflation means you'd be paying $217 for the day to ride everything in both parks. Now, what's the current price to do the same thing, you ask? Well, I have the answer, obviously. The highest price a guest will pay for a Disneyland park hopper this year, based on peak attendance, is $209. That is just $8 cheaper than what the inflation figure was. So while it seems the ticket prices in Disneyland are really outrageous, they are within inflationary lines. Now, I know, I know, it's kind of monkey math here, since there's no way you can ride all 90 rides in one day. But if you could, it's cheaper than 1955. Stop rolling your eyes. I, I know what you're saying, and some of what you're saying is not very nice. So I took a more realistic approach and did some recalculations. And assuming the absolute most rides you could get on in one day, and that's assuming the crowds were pretty low, let's say you could get on 25 rides in a day. I mean, you're there at rope drop. You're there till Disneyland is now closing. Okay, at a price per attraction value of $2.19, plus the $20 admission for both parks, you'd only be paying $75. Therefore, we can now say that Disneyland costs 279% more than it should. There, are you happy now? Disneyland is expensive, but we love it. Now, with all the uh, ugly money talk out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the history. Most everybody knows by now that Walt Disney came up with the idea of Disneyland while he was watching his daughters on the carousel in Griffith Park. By the way, that carousel is still there. And you can go see the bench where he was sitting on. It's kind of a little awesome historical thing. He was alone on the bench and he said to himself, Lordy, this is boring. There must be something better. All right. Those probably weren't his real words, but you get the point. He had a bunch of artists that were working for him. And he had a lot across the street from the studios, which was too small for his park idea. So he bought a whole bunch of orange trees in Anaheim. 
Okay, he also bought the land too. Flash forward to July 17th, 1955. Disneyland was dedicated at Walt called an international press preview. He was open only to invited guests and the media. 28,000 people attended the event, but only half of those were actually invited. The rest had bought counterfeit tickets or got into the park by literally climbing over the fence. The dedication was televised nationwide, and it was anchored by Walt Disney's friends from Hollywood, Art Linkletter, Bob Cummings, and Ronald Reagan. ABC broadcast the event live, during which many of the guests tripped over cables from the television cameras. The temperature was unusually high. It was about 101 degrees that day. And because of a local plumber strike during construction, Disney was given a choice of having either drinking fountains or running toilets. He chose the toilets, leaving drinking fountains dry. Now, this generated a lot of negative publicity since Pepsi sponsored the park's opening. Disappointed guests believe the inoperable fountains were a cynical way to sell soda while other vendors ran out of food. The asphalt that had just been poured that morning was so soft that women's high heels sank into it. In later years, Disney and his uh, 1955 executives referred to July 17, 1955 as Black Sunday. After extremely negative press from the preview opening, Walt invited guests back for a second day to experience Disneyland, and it ran smoothly. The companies adopted July 17th as the official date, commemorating every year as Disneyland's birthday. I've got more to tell about, but let's take a short break so I can uh, catch my breath. From San Francisco comes... Right! Aroni, the San Francisco treat. Right, aroni, the flavor can't be beat. One pan of boiling cooking ease. The flavor that is sure to please. Right, aroni, the San Francisco treat. Well, that's just great. Now I'm hungry. Hey, speaking of commercials, this is something I found fascinating. I had no idea uh, about this, but in just a couple of seconds, you will too. One of the original restaurants in Frontierland was called Casa de Fritos. You may remember that if you're a longtime Disney person. It was back there, we're kind of back now where uh, the, the Big Thunder Railroad is. Anyway, it was called Casa de Fritos, and obviously Frito-Lay sponsored that particular restaurant. And now it's known as Rancho del Zocalo. I have no idea what Zocalo is, but anyway, back to the trivia. The restaurant would have old leftover tortillas that normally would have been tossed out. Uh, Frito-Lay decided to cut them into triangles and fry them again to a real crispy state, and they called them Doritos, which is Spanish for little golden things. Frito-Lay saw the popularity of this item and began selling them regionally in 1964, and then it went nationwide in 1966. And those little gold things started in Disneyland and have turned into big gold profits for Frito-Lay. So a little bit of trivia, Doritos started in Disneyland. Let's quickly finish up with the history here. Uh, in the late 90s, Disneyland began work to expand from a one-park, one-hotel property into a Disneyland resort. The construction began on California Adventure, which now sits where the old original Disneyland parking lot used to be. Uh, they built the Grand Californian. They took acquisition of the Pan Pacific Hotel and renamed it Paradise Pier. Because they wiped out the parking lot for a California Adventure, 
They built the Mickey and Friends parking structure, which uh, can handle 10,250 cars, making it the largest parking structure in the United States. And since that opening, they've now added the Pixar parking structure right next to Mickey and Friends. In 2004, Disneyland underwent some major renovations in preparation for the 50th anniversary, and they restored a lot of the attractions, uh, Space Mountain, Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion, Caribbean. They all got a good cleaning. And the attractions that had been at the park on opening day, day one, they each had one of their ride vehicles painted gold. And the park itself was decorated with 50 golden Mickey ears for the uh, celebration that actually lasted a year and a half. All right, I think that's enough history. And now on to some observations. Now, over the past years, I've had opportunity to make a lot of observations, but I only have six minutes, six and a half minutes left, so I have to pare it down. One observation, okay, it's not an observation, it's a complaint. It's an officially a complaint. Why on earth did Disneyland get rid of the people mover? Anaheim is hot. It's a billion degrees. It's crowded. You're tired. You've been dragging your kids around or now grandkids around all day. You want a place to sit down, let a little car move you around the park. It's a great place for a nap. But no, it's gone. When it was still there, they should rename that the moving people who were napping ride. And since people mover is gone, you have to find alternatives for that. Uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Now, I appreciate all the history. I appreciate the robotics. I appreciate the story. But come on, it's a dark theater with a comfy seat, and the show lasts about 12 minutes. Welcome to Napping with Mr. Lincoln. Here's an observation. You know, there's a lot of snack food you can get in Disneyland. Uh, churros, ice cream, popcorn. But one of the most popular things you can buy there to snack on are turkey legs. I'm sorry, nobody can look decent dignified or respectable munching on a giant turkey leg and what do you, you can't go on any rides you're walking around the park like a neanderthal holding up this chunk of meat on a on a giant bone i do not get the draw of the turkey leg but again that could just be me next up on my hit list the jungle cruise now don't get excited i love the jungle cruise it's a classic it's an original i love the humor but what i find really interesting are the people perhaps first-timers, I don't know, who are terrified of the so-called animals. Now, I'm doing that air quote thing around the word animal. They're really like props uh, that jump out at you, and especially the piranha who come jumping out of the water and people dive to the middle of the boat. What do you think? They're actually going to jump in the boat and start gnawing on your ankles? I was over by Autopia one time, and I saw a uh, young lady uh, driving a car and she was putting on makeup while she was driving. Your first ride of the day and your last ride of the day will always be the tram ride to and from the Mickey and Friends parking structure. And for my last uh, observation, we turn to the segment of this podcast called In Memoriam. Yes, we're going back to Yesterland. These are the attractions that are long gone. Most of us remember these attractions fondly. And if you don't know what a Walkman is, well, these are the things that you missed out on as a kid. And who doesn't remember the sky buckets? That's right, climbing into those little cars from the Tomorrowland station, hanging precariously from a cable as you pass through the Matterhorn, and finally ending up in Fantasyland. Or, who doesn't remember walking underneath the sky buckets and having kids above you dropping popcorn on you? Rest in peace, Skyway to Fantasyland or Tomorrowland.
And who could forget the motorboat crews over in Fantasyland? That's right, those little tiny boats floating on water. Somebody said, how can we make the Autopia more dangerous? I got an idea, let's put them on water. Hey, by the way, that pier out there in Tomorrowland uh, by the water, that was the original loading zone for the motorboat crews. This memoriam would not be complete if we did not include the Mike Fink keel boats. Yes, those were those little boats on the rivers of America that held, I don't know, maybe 10 people. You could sit on the inside. If you were brave, you could sit on the top of it, made it kind of top heavy, challenge enough. Yes, the little boats plied the rivers of America and they were the only thing that went slower than the Mark Twain. There was a uh, guy on it driving it. I guess it was Mike, I don't know. And you could sit there and just ride around the river on that. Absolutely no point. But Mike Fink, keel boats, we miss you. Another great memory is the Circarama 360 Theater. It was a large round room. You went in and stood there. And all around you was this very large movie screen, 360 degrees. And they showed movies from places around the world. And as the camera tilted to the left and then tilted to the right, as it swung around through different scenes of trees and mountains, people became disoriented and then fell to the floor. Circle Rama 360, your time was cut too short. And what little cowboy or cowgirl does not remember the stagecoach and the pack mule ride? A fun, dusty, smelly experience. And if being a little cowboy or cowgirl wasn't enough for you, you could also be an astronaut, climbing aboard a rocket ship to the moon, or Mars once the moon became passe. That's right, you could fly there, you could see it coming towards you as you were leaving the Earth. Oh, Mr. Johnson, where have you gone? We need you now more than ever. And an extra 10 points if you remember who Mr. Johnson was. And who doesn't miss a good hoedown? That's right, Country Bear Jamboree, Swingin' Teddy Barra, Big Al, Melvin, Max and Buff, we hardly knew ye. So there you have it, Disneyland from yesterland to today and all the parts in between. Okay, what have we learned in this episode? We learned that Walt was bored at Griffith Park. Uh, women should not wear high heels when the asphalt is brand new. Doritos were invented in Disneyland. I don't like Marvel Comics. And we all miss the Skyway Buckets. That wraps up this episode. I'm going to give you back just a little over a minute. I do appreciate you tuning in and giving me your 20 minutes. We will talk again next time on the next episode of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. <laughs>